the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. I'm Ed Martin. Great to be with you. We've got a lot to cover today. Let me let me talk. I want to talk about Iowa. I'm going to talk about Iowa. I'll tell you two things about Iowa, two things that you need to know. One, I'll make a prediction about what's going to happen in Iowa. And two, I'll tell you why Iowa is such a problem. And you're seeing the... Um, you're seeing the Democrats actually react first to the problem of Iowa. And the problem is Iowa is uncontrollable, uncontrollable by the elites in Washington, by the elites in media. And so they, they, they're starting to say maybe Iowa is not as useful as we thought. But we'll get to that in a moment. Welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget to go to ProAmericaReport.com. Tune in there and uh, check out what's going on. You can see this. I will be posting this over there at uh, ProAmerica Report. Excuse me, ProAmericaReport.com. It's a sub stack. You can uh, pass this on to your friends and others uh, and, uh, and be sure uh, to check out my writings there. I'm going to be doing a lot more. You can also sign up for the daily email, the wink at phyllisschlafly.com. I know it's a lot to do, but uh, phyllisschlafly.com, sign up a daily wink, uh, what you need to know. That's what we get to today, what you need to know. What you need to know, first of all, what you need to know is Vivek Ramaswamy is playing a role exactly like Donald Trump would want. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't know if Donald Trump and Vivek Ramaswamy ever met, let alone I do, I think, I don't think that they ever coordinated. But what Vivek Ramaswamy has done in the last uh, day and a half or two days up in Iowa is become a target of Trump. Trump said, you know, Vivek's not real MAGA. I don't know what he's doing. I liked him better when he was on my side. And what has happened in Iowa is the conversation has been from lots of people. Hey, 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 what if we get to on the on the Vivek train? And you know who's not moving? There's no one moving from Trump voter in Iowa to Vivek voter in Iowa. That's not happening. If you're Trump, you're already Trump and you're locked in. And he's about 50% of all Iowa caucus goers, no matter all the rest of the, we'll talk in a minute, all the rest of the money and time spent by other candidates. So Trump is locked in and winning. What Vivek is doing is pulling people away from not Trump. So there's people that are looking up and they're saying, you know, I thought DeSantis would be more energetic. He's not. I'll go over here with Vivek. I thought uh, Haley was conservative. She's not. I'll go over here. What Vivek Ramaswamy is doing is ensuring that the headline out of Iowa is Trump wins huge. And the second headline will be Vivek is surging. 
which means it's the end of the candidates that the establishment in Washington and the establishment in the in the party in the Republican Party. The la- that's the la- the end of the, the end of Nikki Haley, and it's the end of Ron DeSantis because Vivek surges only a little bit. He only has to surge a little bit. Even if uh, Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis come in second, if they come in second at lower levels than they were supposed to, they're over. They're over. So Iowa is playing out again perfectly for trump absolutely perfectly and when i say again i mean it seems like he has this knack for turning whatever situation he's got into the into the thing that works the best for him so you know you you have had so let's pause for a second and say what's going on iowa will have under two hundred thousand republicans caucus uh, uh later today in the evening on monday less than 200,000. In fact, with the weather, it's probably going to be like 160, 170. But at its high, it could be 200,000. And there's some rumor that the Democrats and independents will try to cross over. Who knows? But you have seen candidates spend about six or eight months in Iowa spending money on everything from hot dogs at the state fair to uh, TV ads on local TV. And everywhere in between, hotel rooms, restaurants, automobiles, gas stations, repair shops, ice cream huts, whatever. You pick it. Go one after another, one after another, one after another. Iowa experiences every four years by being the first in the nation. They experience a massive, massive economic stimulus. And the Democrats gave up on it, by the way. You know, Joe Biden has given up on it. He's forcing his way. They didn't like it. They didn't like it because what happened was Donald Trump. So usually in order to compete in Iowa, you have to have, I don't know, 50 million dollars, 25 to 50 million dollars, depending on how you look at it. So you've got to have big donors. You've got to be a governor that can shake down donors or you have to be someone who's charismatic and can get a bunch of money. You have to have a grassroots uh, uh, operation that could pop. Santorum had that. Uh, But he was a senator. He was a U.S. senator who got a lot of money even though he didn't have enough and he, he got you know he sort of got beat romney that was a money guy mccain these are money people these are people that have the ability to get establishment money or have their own money and be able to carry the day so you know scott walker he didn't even stay in long enough to run but he was raising 100 million dollars 150 million dollars same thing with jeb bush because they were governors so Iowa is this sort of amazing place where $150 million will be spent in order for 150 to 200,000 people to caucus, and they will winnow the field. And the same thing happens in North Car- uh, New Hampshire and South Carolina and Nevada. Somehow these four uh, uh, states are positioned at the front. Now, there's an article in Politico that describes how it was a Democrat who set up this system and basically broke the corruption of the smoke-filled room picking the candidate and forced it out to the primary process. But like anything else where there's power and money involved, the money that's involved will figure out how to steer it. And now the primary process, and I sat on the Republican Republican National Committee for a couple of years. I was inside it. The primary process is rigged because in order to compete in these four very different states, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, and then on to Super Tuesday, you have to have hundreds of millions of dollars because you're not doing it. You're not doing it. You're doing it by uh, direct mail and, and radio and TV. And so what happens is the only people that can compete at that level are people who have massive amounts of money or the ability to get massive amounts of money, usually governors, sometimes senators. 
sometimes independently wealthy people. And Trump shattered this system because he was a master at earned media. He had 90 plus percent name ID and he knew how to play the game. He still does. And so everybody else is stumbling along trying to raise tens of millions of dollars. This is why Nikki Haley had to take the Coke network support. It's why Ron DeSantis had to have a super PAC set up with a massive amount of money in it. The system doesn't allow you to, you can't go in and be a grassroots candidate and succeed unless you have a, a, a hook, a way to get there. And the, but, but the way to get there is usually money. I mean, you know, Rick Santorum, again, he was a U.S. senator for two terms. He had been a congressman for, I think, three terms. He was a well-known you know, a commodity in terms of people could talk to him. He could talk to donors. He could raise money. And he had an energetic base. Huckabee was an exception, but Huckabee couldn't get it done. And, you know, Huckabee didn't have as big a money thing, although little little known people, uh, uh, Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders was running his super PAC or maybe uh, say it differently. She I think she was a consultant to the campaign. So she was in between both worlds. But here's my prediction. Here's my prediction that Vivek Ramaswamy will do better than expected, but still not very good. But more importantly, it will make it so that DeSantis and Nikki Haley underperform and they're over. Then the game is over. And Trump will do just what Trump does, because Trump supporters aren't leaving because of Vivek. They're not leaving because of uh, uh, of Nikki. They're not leaving because they're, they're with Trump. And when Trump says you got to you know fight through the snow, Trump supporters are there and they're clear. They see what's at stake. They're not going away. So watch in Iowa that dynamic and then say to yourself, the Democrats have already dumped Iowa. They won't. They don't count Iowa. They don't want to count it. They're going to go New Hampshire and South Carolina. And eventually, I think you're going to see other other. You know, when the Republican Party is wide open, you might see a movement to say, you know what, we cannot have it be that one one place gets all the benefit, one, you know, early benefit, money wise, and gets all the pre- ability to push to preference. Because what happens is the big money means that the big money picks. Picks who got gets dropped out, who gets knocked out. And again, that's why Vivek is so interesting. He's not one of the establishment lanes in terms of money. I don't really, I don't really like him or trust him, but that's because I've heard a lot about his different things. I'm not sure I don't trust him. I certainly think he's been an extraordinary communicator. And anytime you can have a a a a, a, a dark skinned uh, American entrepreneur talking about the Republican Party and ending wokeness, you have to tip your hat and say this is not bad for the Republicans in terms of messaging messengers. So the um, the reality is the reality is that. Iowa will be a winner again, and it may become, going forward, something of a problem for Iowa to sustain that, but we'll see. We'll see. So watch for that tonight. Watch for that tonight. Vivek Ramaswamy. And and again, Trump, what Trump did was when he saw Vivek say something that was a little off-key for Vivek about, you know, vote for me, I'll protect Trump, he jumped on it, and what Trump did was signal to people, if you hate me, Vivek is someone I don't like. You can go to him. And those people, as I told you, are are less energetic than they want than they expected over uh, DeSantis, and the, and DeSantis has been spending tens of millions of dollars to make you think Nikki Haley's terrible, and she is pretty bad, in my opinion. I'm not she's not my favorite. So you've got a dynamic where all the forces have have arrayed so that nobody's leaving Trump to vote for Vivek. Nobody's so it's going to be Trump. It's going to be Trump big, and more importantly, the back end is going to clear the what has happened is going to make sure that people that don't want Trump 
are splintered between the three candidates that are left, and that will be to the detriment of Nikki uh, uh, Haley and Ron DeSantis. Watch for it. All right, we'll take a break. and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I have had the best experience in the last couple of, say, three or four weeks, which is crazy to say because the topic I've been talking about is January 6th, which infuriates me and gets me upset and all. But I've had the incredible opportunity about four or five times. I've done probably, I don't know, 60 interviews. Three or four times there's been somebody I interviewed and I thought, man, I'm so interested to learn more about this person, help them with their voice. And one of those people is Mel Kay. The Mel Kay Show, which you can find over on Rumble. You can find her uh, all over the place. She's a fascinating um, woman. She's had a career in uh, journalism and television. Um, she's been to Hollywood and back, and she's just really good. And when I was on the air with her uh, on her podcast, which is hugely popular also, um, she and I were talking about things that I talk about with like my best colleagues uh, who see seeing what's happening out in the world. And so Mel Kay, welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me, Ed. It was so great to have you on my show. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's great to be here with you and have you here because your perspective is so interesting. Um, you know, one thing, when I heard you talk, by the way, it's at Mel K show on X too, if you want to follow her there. And, um, when I heard you talk about some with some such depth on some of these issues of the globalists of what's happened, um, I told you that you talked about the late Carol Quigley, this crazy left wing professor at Georgetown that Bill Clinton cited in his acceptance speech at the DNC, which uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly always marked as the moment where they t- they called us conspiracists. They called us these, you know, kind of people seeing seeing these grand conspiracies and networks. And then Bill Clinton, and they said, you're crazy. And then Bill Clinton said, yeah, yeah, we got that. That's what we're doing. So I heard you talk about that. But yeah. Mel, um, how do you see this, um, th- these networks impacting normal Americans? I mean, all of us feel like, oh, geez, Harvard's a mess now. All of us feel Hollywood's a mess. But is, you know, what is the, how do, how do we, why isn't more, why isn't there more opposition to a lot of this stuff? that rolls over us. Well, basically, because this has been a long game. It was well planned, certainly since the uh, inception of what I think is the biggest fraud committed on humanity in my lifetime. And it's certainly in many lifetimes, which is the United Nations. They um, they've created a a pathway towards global governance. They have called it the New World Order as George Bush walked on the floor of the U.N. announced that he was starting the New World Order was kicking off and the U.N. would be running it. And instead of believing that people believed what he was talking about was some kind of holding hands global and all working together. That is never what it was about. The UN started by Rockefeller, as was the Council of Foreign Relations, as was the Trilateral Commission, the Club of Rome. These are all groups that are intertwined with international NGOs and uh, international, I call them philanthropathies, and all Hmm. kinds of groups that are above our governments. They are running a supra, like you talked about, Tragedy and Hope, obviously lays it out by Carol Quigley. Uh, The Council of Foreign Relations is completely about this. And what it is, is that there is a supra class above all of our nations. And at this point, especially after, I think the original coup was the murder of JFK, but after what they did to Donald Trump, and everyone has to remember, a sitting president was spied on by a former administration that then put themselves back into power. So Mm. we have a totally upside down, inverted situation in America. And what is going on is that these people are never held accountable and they continue to double and triple down towards what they call Agenda 2030, which is a global governance agenda with uh, 17 development goals to keep the globalist billionaire oligarchy in power. And what I think the American people don't realize by design, as I believe we are in a color revolution model is that 
we are not each other's enemy, but keeping us believing that we are each other's mm. enemy, keeping us believing the left and right Republican Democrat paradigm is still functioning, which it is not, uh, keeps us blind to the real enemy, which we all share. It is the global public private partnership. Um, basically laid out on the World Economic We Forum.org website. We Forum, World Economic Forum, is a total 100% partner with the United Nations, the World Health Organization, and most of the world banks that are under the Bank of International Settlements. So they function right above all of our governments, and they've completely captured the United States um, governmental class. These people are not representing us. They are actually representatives now of what they call stakeholders of the global public-private partnership. And people have to really start to understand what they don't see, what they don't know is that what they what they call going direct, which is the corporations, multinational corporations. They are not American companies, though. A lot of people think they are. They are not. They are post-American companies. They are in line with the globalist banking cartel. And they are trying right now to to basically do a model where the corporations and the banks control the behavior of the people, skipping the government, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. We're talking with Mel Kay. You can hear it in her voice and her, um, um, she's, you know, she's very smart, but also the energy and the, and the passion. The Mel Kay show is a podcast exploding in popularity. Tons of attention. I was on. It was great. And, uh, and also, uh, lots of time to talk and, and move through things. I want to come back to what you said about how they want to keep us divided in a moment. But first, I want to ask you uh, a few days ago on the Mel Kay show, her podcast, uh, our guest is Mel Kay. Um, you had on a, a candidate for, uh, office, Victor uh, Avia. I want, and I want to, I, I do this on purpose because I want you to mention him. There's so important that we help uh, new candidates in this fight. Uh, and so that, that's one thing. But the second is the topic was the weaponization of the border. I didn't listen to the whole podcast, even when I put turned it on 1.5, although Mel Kay, you're like me. You and I talk too fast at regular. So I had to, I didn't go all the way to two with you because you and I talk too fast. So but anyway, um, not too fast. Perfect. Uh, but weaponization of the border. This to me is right now is the place where most people can see it really easily. If you don't understand how they're changing the zoning in our suburbs, that can take me a while to explain to you and what they're doing and why they're doing it as controlling our, you know, the, the agenda it used to be agenda 21. And, you know, but 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 the, the border is obvious. And you and Victor Avila, this candidate, we're talking about this. So what, give me your thoughts on how important or how easy it is to understand this invasion in the context of, of what we're seeing with globalization. Right. Well, what we have to know is that the uh, what's happening at our borders happening at borders all over the world, especially in the EU and right. Europe. And really, this is about there's two there's two strategies here. One is the Cloward Piven strategy to collapse our economy by having all these people come in that will have to get onto our social security systems and our uh, social safety nets that have been a huge problem and caused more damage than good in America. But they're overwhelming them. So all these people coming across the border, not only are they being facilitated by the United Nations, and international NGOs such as George Soros's Open Society, Catholic Charities, many other charities that appear to be religious charities. But if you dig down, they are actually part of the same network. And what they are doing is they are making it so that nation states that would be borders, language, culture, that would be uh, what makes America, America, our DNA, our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, things that we hold dear, making them um, so muddied. Uh, the people they're bringing in, these are not people as, as in the past or legal 
immigrants that come to America to become American citizens. These are people coming to America to make America no longer America as we know it. They are not coming here to assimilate. They are not coming here to uh, have their American dream. They are coming here because the current administration working for the global public private partnership is funding them to come in and collapse our system from within. The other thing that's very dangerous is there was something called um, by the Obiden. Uh, I call it the Obiden administration yeah, right. um, by the Obiden administration called the Declaration of North America. Another big goal, which laid out by Henry Kissinger, the partner of uh, Rockefeller and Brzezinski and the crown in the orchestra. Or orchestration right. of the global governance plan. Um, basically, they want to divide the world into wards, uh, similar, honestly, to the movie Hunger Games, if people are familiar. Yeah. And the one of the wards, which they believe is easily e more easy to control. They, they don't believe in nation states. It's on all their websites. You put in global governance. The first thing it says is nation states don't no longer work. They've defined the global problems and the global goals. So they say they need a global solution, which requires a global government. And on top of that, they believe that all borders should be subject to them. Therefore, right. they want America, Canada and Mexico to be one unit. And actually, they actually put it in writing called the Declaration of North America. This has been a long game. It was written years and years ago by Kissinger and other people. They want a very similar thing here to the, what they have destroyed in Europe called the EU. And where we're headed is right now the EU, the nation states within the EU have no power at this moment. They are really uh, controlled by Brussels and by a lot of puppet people that got put in there, much like our government. And we have to understand and also the other thing that's going on at the border is the color revolution that they've been playing from Black Lives Matter to Antifa to Women's March, all of this. They have a plan upcoming in 2024 to uh, activate the illegals that are coming in with a hashtag demand citizenship. I've been given information on same NGOs that funded Black Lives Matter will be funding this. And the American people have to be aware and especially mm. legal immigrants um, right. and the black community are being hit the most because that's where they're they're putting them. And uh, we have to realize that this is called the controlled demolition of America. Well, I have to tell you, Mel Kay, I'm out of time. Yeah, when her podcast, we didn't have to worry too much about time. So I, I'm sorry to have to cut, cut her off now. We, I, but I'm going to tell you right now, you can hear it. The Mel Kay show, her podcast, great guest, George Papadopoulos, a guest, I think, uh, just in the last uh, day or so posted. Uh, I will put up on social media links. I'm hoping to go back on her show. A very valuable voice that is surging and growing. Mel Kay and the Mel Kay show. Uh, check that out. But I've got to run right now. I'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, maybe we've been 15 minutes. I was on the uh, just now talking to my next guest, John Zadrozny, about all kinds of things. We should have run the we should have run the, uh, the 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 radio then to hear because we covered a bunch of topics, everything from election fraud to workers, uh, federal workers, state workers, all sorts of stuff. Uh, John Zadrozny is really, really uh, uh, in, has real insight experience now, especially the last couple of years. He is the uh, the deputy director of investigations at America First Legal. He he was uh, a prosecutor before he went into uh, federal government service uh, for a period. And then also now he's out working on America First Legal. Go to their website, which is aflegal.org. You'll see. Don't look at the news. You can look at the news, but go to the cases and see the number of different cases that they're actually litigating. I'm looking at the page now. Montgomery. Oh, that's Montgomery Public Schools. That's Maryland. Huh? OK. Mesa Public Schools. That's out in Arizona and on and on federal government, state government, all kinds of things. So that's uh, Stephen Miller's shop with uh, uh, the a great uh, focus on what they're doing. And also his colleague, of course, is Gene Hamilton. So welcome back, John. How are you? 
I'm great, Ed. Uh, thank you for having me on. Greetings from snowy Virginia. Yeah, yeah. The weather, global warming, global warming's kicking in. Um, yeah, so, global so, warming. It's global warming. <laughs> so, uh, John, tell me about the impeachment. And what I want to say, ask about is when people say, um, oh, haven't they been impeaching him for weeks? There's actually concrete steps that have to be made, right? And and you make the steps in order to have the next step you take be more impactful, uh, legally impactful, uh, maybe small p politically impactful. But tell us where we are, what's been happening in the last couple days last week. Well, what happened last week, Ed, was uh, that uh, House Homeland Committee Chairman Mark Green initiated the a formal impeachment inquiry against Alejandro Mayorkas. Right. Uh, if you, you might recall last year, uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene tried to get articles of impeachment directly to the floor. And there was a bit of a kerfuffle among some of the members, both Republicans and Democrats. And so Democrats thought they were being too cute by half and said, well, let's just refer this to the Depart- to the Committee on Homeland Security. And they did. All of them did. Every Democrat, my understanding is every single Democrat voted to have it referred to the Committee on Homeland Security. So now it's in front of Dr. Green. And I know Dr. Green's office very well. They are dedicated, intelligent people. They are focused on this. And they've been focused on the grotesque mismanagement of Homeland Security by Alejandro Mayorkas since the very beginning of this Congress. And they'll continue to do so. So when it landed in front of Dr. Green, he said, well, we're going forward because you referred it to us and we're going to take it seriously. And what happened last week was they had their first conversation as part of the inquiry. They called three Republican attorneys general to talk about how Mayorkas is causing damage in their states, meaning interior states. And uh, it was pretty powerful. I mean, what you had, you had exactly what you and I would have predicted, Ed. You had three Republican attorneys general talking about the problems caused by the complete failure and corruption of Alejandro Marcus and his thugs at DHS. You had the liberal witness who was some law professor who babbled about how nothing here is impeachable, which is funny because everything Republicans do is impeachable, but nothing Democrats do is ever impeachable. And then you had every single Democrat claiming that this was a political show and a farce and there's nothing to impeach here. So um, obviously that was all expected. Uh, There'll be more to come. And I think the goal is at the end of a thorough inquiry, which is what it's technically called, there'll be a voting committee to vote on specific articles of impeachment based on what they've covered. Whatever gets approved out of committee will then go to the floor for a full House vote. And then whatever articles get voted out by the House will move to the Senate for a trial. And uh, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. My gut, though, is they'll have enough to get it to the Senate and then we'll see what happens in the Senate. We're talking with John Zadrozny. John Zadrozny is uh, the uh, deputy uh, director, deputy head of investigations over at uh, America First Legal. John, clarify, though, and say it, it. I hate to say this. It did kind of work. I might have said that wrong. America First, Le- America First Legal deputy director of investigations, John Zadrozny. It, it did kind of work, the, the, the messaging from the left that, oh, is this even constitutional? I mean, so-called inferior officers, I think that's what it's called, Like, every, or maybe that's not what it's called. You know, you impeach the president, that's obvious, vice president, obvious, uh, judges, obvious, but you, there's no reason that you couldn't impeach a cabinet director. I mean, there has to be, there has to be, I guess the argument is that, oh, only, it can only impeach the president for his picks, but there, if there's no other way for the branch, the congressional, the legislative branch to to uh, demand accountability, uh, what else can you do? And I guess the answer is uh, what they did to like Bannon and others, they hold him in contempt of Congress and then refer it back to the Department of Justice. I, I don't know. I don't get it. It seems obvious that the impeachment can apply to a cabinet director. Is that? But they did get some traction on the argument that it's not even constitutional. Well, Ed, I'm sorry. You're right, though. You nailed it. It is the only thing left for the Congress to do within its constitutional jurisdiction when they're not getting help from anyone else. They're obviously not going to get the Department of Justice to deal with this. Right. Um, let's, just, let's assume he's committed some crimes. They can't deal with it for operational, non-criminal procedures, right? It's not, not going to happen in the same administration. You're not going to get Joe Biden to wake up one day and say, gosh, I guess they're right. I should pull him. Like He's obviously fulfilling a political agenda of importation of voters without following the law. So it's all designed, and he's part of that plan. 
And if you, if you want to blame anyone for what's going on now, Ed, you can blame the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has been AWOL when it comes to making sure that the executive branch enforces statutory immigration law. And so it's up to Congress now. And Congress can remove officials. You're right. When they're, when a Congress, when a, when an executive branch official is a bad actor and no one else is going to be part of the solution, Congress can remove. Congress can remove any human being who is employed by the executive branch through impeachment. Period. Full stop. Yes, you're used to it with the context of presidents. Yes, judges have been impeached. You and I both know judges that have been impeached from time to time throughout history. Presidents have never been removed through impeachment, although impeachment articles have obviously passed against a few presidents. But I, I think that the most important point, though, is it's all they've got. And it's a tool for removal when someone has finally proven themselves to be just either incompetent or malicious. And I'd say this, too. I think the reason the Democrats are hitting that point, Ed, is because I think they're concerned he might actually get removed. And here's what I mean. You and I both know when a president gets impeached, they're not going to get removed. It's highly unlikely. It would require extraordinary circumstances that you and I probably can't even fathom. Um, But that's why you see whenever the impeachment articles go to the Senate, whether it's Republicans in charge or Democrats in charge, removal doesn't happen. But some of these people who would be skittish to pull the trigger on removing Joe Biden from office might compromise and want to remove Alejandro Mayorkas from the Department of Homeland Security. You know, you've got a few Democrats right, who are running right. in tight races in red states this year. So maybe they make the sacrifice and pull the trigger and say, let's let's throw him out. It's also worth pointing out too, Ed, one thing people forget. Impeachment prevents uh, future federal service, right? So yeah. you know that they're just going to keep pushing this guy up. I mean, the left has the same dregs that they keep promoting higher and higher up the chain each time they're in charge. This man should never be allowed to touch a federal paycheck again. And so we'll see what happens. I mean, I think they're doing the right thing. I think they're going to do it efficiently. I think we're going to like the result. We'll see what happens. Uh, again, we're, we're talking with uh, John Zadrozny, and he's the America First Legal, uh, America First Legal, their deputy director of investigations, looks at a lot of this stuff. So I guess timeline, tell our folks, I mean, so I, I tell people all the time, I say, if you're looking for Grand Slam home runs, you don't understand how most things work, but especially how it works when you're a conservative or center right at all. You've got to make single, single, single. Every now and then you'll get a double or a triple or someone to hit a home run, but you got to hit a lot of singles. And sometimes the singles are maintaining a drumbeat to see where the opportunity arises. Now, I hope and pray, I know you do too, John, that the opportunity that arises is not some terror attack by some uh, some radical that came through our southern border or some horrendous uh, uh, Kate Steinle situation where we're seeing a terrible death, although it's happening all over the place um, in this country. But uh, but walk us through just a couple minutes left the timeline. You're going to see now over the next couple months um, these, these drumbeats of get to the bottom of it, see what you can find, make an action go forward. I think that's effective and important. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, I agree with you, Ed. So I think over the last year plus, you've seen people like Chairman Green on House Homeland, uh, even Chairman Jordan on Judiciary and other chairs and other members rolling out information in uh, quite a few hearings regarding the grotesque failure of Marcus and everyone in the administration, quite frankly, in the homeland space. But they've been very meticulous rolling stuff out. And this is even before the inquiry began. I think the role slash challenge that Chairman Green has now is packaging all of that up into a handful of proceedings, a handful of hearings, and then finalizing the articles based on all the data. This is not one of those situations where they're scraping for something. If anything, there's too much information showing his complete and grotesque failure and dangerousness. I think what they're going to do is spend the next month, I'm just guesstimating here, I don't have any inside information. They're going to spend the next month having additional inquiry hearings, and then there'll be a markup at some point, which means that'll basically be the committee convening to vote on the articles to get it to the House floor. And then it goes to House floor. And then, you know, maybe it goes to the Senate from there if it passes. It's not like they have to reinvent the wheel here. They do 
get to repackage a lot of stuff that's already been done. Your mention of the drumbeat is important. I think our side's really generally, not now, I'm not referring to anyone we're talking about, but historically Republicans are bad when it comes to a drumbeat. I mean, I don't know how many times I've talked to a staffer on a committee and said, hey, are you guys going to do a hearing on this? And they said, oh, we did one two months ago. And I'll say, okay, when's the next one on that subject? And then when's the next one on that subject? Right. Because if you notice, the Democrats are really good at the drumbeat. They're really good at it. And that's why right. they win. They create a message right. that everyone has bouncing around between right. their ears. Yep, so, exactly. And de- de- death by a thousand cuts is how, in, in, you know, not to be dramatic about death, but a death by a thousand cuts is how it works in, uh, th- especially when you're a conservative. If you're a leftist and you could, uh, oh, let's just take out that person, you'll find that everybody works with you along the way from, you know, Zuckerberg and his gang to uh, the New York Times. So I got to run. John Zadrozny, as always, thank you for your help. AFlegal.org, AFlegal.org. John Zadrozny is all over the place communicating. You can find him. He's the America First Legal uh, Deputy Director of Investigations. Uh, Check it out, AFlegal.org. Got to take a break. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Too many students are simply not showing up in public school today, as attendance is no longer desired by parents. Many public schools have become places of indoctrination by the left or downright dangerous to attend. No one can continue to blame this on COVID-19 when schools shut down. Absenteeism is now severe and long after the pandemic subsided, as in Nevada, where more than a third of the students are chronically absent. Only 42% of American adults are reportedly satisfied with public schools, a 20-year low. Disillusionment with the costly higher education system is increasing, and this may have a spillover effect on attitudes towards secondary education, too. The disappearance of students in classrooms is not merely a few teenagers skipping out for some fun, which is not new, of course. Elementary students who need to learn fundamental skills during that period of their lives are not being taken to school. Just five years ago, only 7% of elementary public schools had chronic absenteeism by 30% of students. But in the 2021-22 school year, the percentage of elementary public schools having chronic absenteeism shot up more than five-fold to 38%. Thanks to the Democrat empowerment of the teachers' unions during the Biden-Harris administration, American public schools have too often become cesspools of leftism and crime. It's no wonder that students aren't showing up. There needs to be greater discipline in our schools, and proper discipline means that students and teachers have a recognition of some sort of order to conform to. To fix this issue, the government needs to take away the special privileges that have been given to teachers unions and stop promoting liberal values. Leftist ideology, especially about race, holds students back based on their skin color and prevents meritocracy and excellence from forming. Adjustments based on race are no substitute for proper discipline. An example that public schools can learn from is public schools on military bases, which have higher standards of behavior and are more diverse than any other public schools. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very interesting topic uh, to discuss as we uh, wrap things up. And that topic is uh, the arguments that are happening in the Court of Appeals right now and probably to the Supreme Court uh, on the question of presidential immunity. So it has long been held that a president may not be uh, sued uh, during office, may not be charged during office, uh, especially, well, let's say it better. There's immunity uh, civilly for a president for what he does. In other words, you can't um, sue a president for some uh, a civil cause of action. Um, and that he is immune then out of office for things that he did when he was in office. In other words, you can't have a president get sued for uh, um, some action that he took and be held liable by a fellow citizen. And so that immunities existed. The question that before the courts right now is on criminal uh, liability and, and it has not been tested before. So it, you can say, well, it's clearly established that there is civil immunity, but uh, for the president, presidential immunity, but that hasn't been tested on criminal. And the question is, is it different? And here's the thing, as always, not always, as often happens, as often as the case, President Trump clarifies with one uh, post on the truth social platform, the very heart of the matter, because he says, look, I did I did what I was doing while I was president. You can't criminalize the conduct of the president of the United States. You just can't do it because he won't be able to do anything. And the system will break down. But then what he says is, if this is what you guys want, well, then Joe Biden's going to be charged, right? Joe Biden has a problem at the border. He's ignored the border crisis, fentanyl, the ongoing crisis. And he says, so I guess, you know, we're going to charge me, going to charge him. And the real unstated I wouldn't say threat, but the unstated description of reality by Trump is, is if this is what you want, you end up with a system that is just basically uh, whoever gets into power throws the other one in jail. And again, our system, America, our crown jewel is the is the rule of law. It's the uh, it's the Constitution and it's the founding values that understand how these things work and how human nature works, that you cannot ask someone to be the top level executive, the person in charge and have them always looking over his shoulder. There is a solution for wrongdoing by a president and it's called impeachment. And, and if you're impeached, you could be barred from serving again. But it can't be that you're looking over your shoulder. The the founders of this country, miraculously, and I believe it was miraculous. I believe it was divinely inspired. They they were able to to utilize an, an understanding. They let's say it better. They had an understanding of the psychology of men, of men and women, and of people, and how they operate together. And, you know, how they work in a in a setting as a society and otherwise. And so when they put in place this idea that, you know, you're going to be the president, you're going to be in a position where you're going to have to have the ability to not be looking over your shoulder, not be worried about everything, that it's going to hold you back, that it's going to be just whoever gets power next indicts the next guy and back and forth and back and forth. Instead, it's going to be this idea of uh, of of immunity that's going to be expressed or the time you're in office. And that's what that's what the question is. And this this uh, this week in uh, Washington, there's uh, arguments at the Court of Appeals because at the at the um, 
at the lower court uh, when Trump said, you know, I'm immune from these charges in this in the uh, in this case. The judge denied that, but then said, yes, you're allowed to appeal. And so he's up on appeal. And so that's what they're looking at. And again, Trump cuts through it. Are you really going to have it be that uh, each president is going to have to what charge the next president? Each president is going to have to give a pardon each each of his predecessors. Is that the deal? You come into office and you say, I pardon you, or, you know, uh, or on the way out the door, you pardon yourself. That's the other way it could be done. Yeah. Every time you're leaving, you have to sign. It has to be that there's immunity. It has to be. It has to be that there's immunity for the people, for the pe- men and women. There hasn't been a woman yet, but that will be serving as president of the United States. That system. Otherwise, the system breaks down. Now, will the D.C. Court of Appeals have the courage to do the right thing on this? No, no. There's a bunch of liberal leaning judges that were appointed. They will definitely not do that. They will definitely not be doing that. They will be, they will be um, caving in to the pressure of their appointments. They're, they're, they're the panel that's hearing Trump's arguments right now is uh, two Biden appointed judges and one, I think Trump appointed or could have been George W. Bush, but so they're, they're not going to do the right thing on this, but it's going to have to go up on appeal. It's going to have to go up on appeal and it's going to be uh, therefore, um, uh, you know, um, handled by the Court of Appeals. And ultimately, as John Schlafly was just saying to me, it's definitely a, the uh, a, a court of uh, first impression. A, a, I mean, excuse me, it's a it's a case of first impression and therefore it will be a ripe uh, uh, for the Supreme Court to take it up. And they, you can expect the Supreme Court to take it up. How fast? Different question. And will the lower court Judge Chutkin, will she say, you know what, I, I stayed things so you could appeal it, but I don't have to let it be a, a stay forever. Let's just go do this case. Let's do this trial while you're appealing things. I think that's what she wants to do. We'll see if she'll ha- if she has the chutzpah to do that. So um, uh, one to watch. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. As always, thank you to Noah. Uh, Noah. Wow, that's funny. And I was going to say Noah Dingley, my old producer. Thank you to Ryan Height for our producing, produ- producing the program, staying on top of these things. Mason Mohan, uh, associate producing, and all of you for listening. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there uh, for my long form writing and visit PhyllisSchlafly.com. You'll find both the sign up for our daily email, the wink, as well as you can track the John and Andy Schlafly columns and uh, all the other things that are present on the uh, Phyllis Schlafly, Phyllis Schlafly.com website. I just was reviewing a column that Phyllis wrote in 1992 before Bill Clinton was elected, describing what Bill Clinton hoped to do and how problematic it was. Uh, to say she was prescient is uh, an understatement. She was really amazing at seeing what things really uh, meant and what was happening. So. That's all I've got. We'll talk tomorrow. It's Ed Martin, Pro America Report. Talk to you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.